Uh, we'll be in Matthew chapter 25. So if you have your Bibles, uh, that's where we'll be, Matthew chapter 25, uh, starting in verse 14. As we continue our study about parables. Uh, growing up, my dad had a lot of cool stuff in the garage. Uh, my dad had tools and fishing stuff and, and all kinds of things that I'd want to go get and play with. And, and one of the things I did a lot was I, I would go get hammer and nails and scrap wood and hand saws and all different kinds of things and go out into the woods and build forts and build all kinds of little whatevers. And one, one of the things that often happened was my dad would come and he'd be looking for a particular tool for a project he was working on and he'd say, hey, Brent, have you seen uh, that saw? Have you seen that hammer? Whatever. And I'd go, no, I haven't, knowing that it was left at a friend's house or it was in the middle of the woods somewhere or I just threw it in the garage somewhere, not putting it back where it was supposed to go. My dad was happy to let me use his things. However, he wanted them put back. He wanted them used rightly. He wanted them used correctly. But if I did that, he was happy for me to use them. Often he found his stuff broken or misplaced. He didn't like that. But outside of those things, he wanted me to use it. And the question I want us to answer this morning is this, is what are you doing with your father's stuff? What are you doing with your father's stuff? We read our parable this morning, chapter 25, verse 14. The words of our God say this, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went away, dug in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made you two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servants. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has more will be given. And he who has an abundance, uh, he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. And that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus is using this parable to teach his followers that soon he's going to be leaving, uh, but he's going to return. He's about to leave them, but he's coming back. You see, for 2,000 years, we've been trying to guess and predict when Jesus would come back. And right now, particularly with all that's going on in the world, there is no shortage of theories and guesses as to if Jesus is coming back soon. And while we have no idea when he's coming back, we know for certain that he will. And when Jesus comes back, what will he find that you did with his stuff? 
That's the question. What should we be doing while he's gone? Should we be twiddling our thumbs? Should we be looking to the clouds while he's waiting for the clouds to part? Should we be trying to predict when he's coming? What should we be doing? Verse 14 says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So the man goes on this journey in our parable, and he's got these servants. And so the master is Jesus in the parable, right? Jesus is about to ascend into heaven and be gone. But before he leaves, Jesus does the same thing this master does. He entrusted to us, to them, his property. He entrusted to them his property. So in the parable, the first servant gives, gets five talents, the second gets two talents, the third gets one talent. Now, a talent in the Bible was a unit of measurement. It was, it was money. Uh, one talent was equal to 75 pounds of silver, which was about 20 years' worth of wages for the common man. All right, so one talent is worth a lot of money. So the third guy who only gets one talent, we don't need to feel sorry for him. He's got a lot of money to work with. But when he gives, when the master gives this money, the word he uses is entrusted. He entrusts it to them. The master's going away, so he can't make use of his wealth while he is gone, so he entrusts it to his servants. It's kind of like if, you, if you've ever been to a, a financial uh, advisor, you go to them and, and you can talk to them about 401ks and you can talk about uh, ETFs and mutual funds and the stock market. And, and, but at the end of the day, what you're doing with a financial advisor is you're saying, hey, take this money, take my money and invest it however you see fit, whatever my risk tolerance is. And make my money make more money. Well, if you do that and then you come back in a, a couple of years to check on those accounts and, and you find that they're in the red, that you've lost money, there's going to be a problem, right? You're going to talk to that guy and say, hey, man, what's going on? Were, were you just lazy with my money? Did you mismanage it? Were you unwise? Why are we in the, like, We're going to have a problem. I, I entrusted to you what was mine and you've lost it. Jesus' point here is quite simple. Jesus has gone away. The Lord has gone away. And as we await his return, he has left us gifts so that we might advance his kingdom. God has entrusted his stuff to us so that we would use it to build his kingdom. He's left it in our care. So now we got to talk through what, what sort of things has God left you and me that we might build his kingdom? Well, the obvious one in the text is money. Now, this is clear and obvious and simple, but it's something that I think we have a hard time with. That God has provided you the health that you have, the job that you have, the, uh, the, the raises that you have got, the opportunities, the education. God has provided everything. So every cent, every dollar to your name, every piece of property does not belong to you. It is the Lord's and the Lord has entrusted it to you, given it to you, trusting you with it, to, to use it to provide for your family. To use it to, to raise your children well. And to use it to be generous. All that you have belongs to God. God has entrusted his money to you. And so you are to use his money as he would deem fit. Not only has he entrusted you wealth, but he has entrusted to us spiritual gifts. I think this is a really important part that, part that I think we, we often mistake or mess up. Every single follower of Jesus, so if you're in this room and you're a follower of Jesus, every single one of you, without exception, is uniquely designed and gifted by God to work and advance his kingdom. 
every one of you is not only called, but given specific gifts, specific talents, specific abilities to be used by God. You have been given that. Some of you are gifted at teaching, and you use those gifts. You teach small groups, you teach kids, you you teach at a, a school, or you teach in the world. Some of you are wonderful at hospitality. You can open your home and you can cook and and you want want people to come in and to feel warm and welcome. And you you use that to, to share the gospel with your neighbors. You use it to encourage fellow brothers and sisters. Some of you are good with your hands, and you, you can fix things, you can build things, and, and you need to be using that in the church and in the community. Some of you are good with kids, and you need to be serving with kids. Some of you, some of you are encouragers, and your words are like water in the middle of this really hot room, that they, they, they cool and they, 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 they build us up. Some of you have a gift that you may not think is a gift. Some of you have a gift that you may think is actually a curse, but it actually is a gift. Some of you have the gift of singleness. And it may be a temporary gift that you have right now, but do you see your singleness as a gift that God, that God has given so that in this season, when there are no distractions by a spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend, that you could go 100 miles an hour serving and following the Lord? These are a few examples of the kinds of gifts the Lord gives to his people. But I want every one of you to hear me very clearly. God has gifted you. He has not left you out. He has not passed over you. He has gifted you. And so the question is, what do you love? What are you passionate about? What are you good at? Use those things for the kingdom. Take that thing. Use it in this church. Use it in your home. Use it in the community and advance the gospel. He's given us wealth. He's given us gifts. Many of you, he's given children. Now understand, your children do not ultimately belong to you, which is weird since often they come from you. But they belong to the Lord, and the Lord has given them to you as a gift to be stewarded. He has entrusted your children to you to disciple them, to raise them up in the Lord. They are been entrusted to you. Not only that, but your marriage, for those of you that are married. Are you building up your spouse? Are you investing in your spouse? Are you helping God? Are you working with God for your spouse to become all that he wants her to be or him to be? Are you spending your time, energy, and money and and, and to, to investing and growing your marriage to be as healthy as it possibly could be to reflect the gospel? Whether it be wealth or spiritual gifts or children or marriage or anything else, it has been entrusted to you. One of the things that drives me crazy with my kids, listen up, Eden, is when they're fighting over a toy and they're pulling back and forth. And, mine, no, that's mine, that's mine. You can't play with that. I will often go and take it and say, you own nothing. I, this is my toy. I own everything. None of this is yours. I let you have it. And they usually look at me like really scared. But in the same way, in reality, everything we own, everything you have from physical property to spiritual gifts to relationships are all a gift of God that have been entrusted to you. So that while our king is away, you might use these things to advance the gospel. You see, Jesus will return. And when he does, what will he see that you have done with the things he has given you? What will Jesus find with his stuff that he has given you when he returns? 
In our parable, there are three servants, and notice how they each respond with what was given to them. Verse 16 says, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. See, the first two guys virtually have the same response or same reaction. They go at once, immediately. They go and they get to work. They start using the gifts their master has given them and increase his property. That now, notice they start with different amounts. One's got five, one's got two, but it doesn't matter. They both double them. Verse 15 tells us that the master gave each according to their ability. Now, this is an important phrase we've got to look at. God is not giving you more than you can handle. God has made you. He has designed you. He has gifted you. He knows what you are capable of. And he has given you all that you need to be successful with his gifts. That doesn't mean you won't have to work hard. It doesn't mean it's always going to come easy. It doesn't mean you don't have to learn. But it does mean that you can thrive and be successful using the things God has entrusted to you. It means you can make a difference. Imagine a car designer who, who, who designs a sports car that will go really fast and designs a pickup truck and designs a minivan. He's not upset when the minivan can't go 125 miles an hour in six seconds because it wasn't designed for that. It was designed to carry a bunch of kids to soccer practice. You see, sometimes the problem is you and I compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to those around us and we, and, and we look at their gifts and say, oh, I could never teach. Oh, I could never sing or play an instrument. Oh, I could never work with kids. I hate kids. I could never do this or that. But you got to stop looking at their gifts and start looking at your gifts. Stop, stop looking at what's been entrusted to them and look at what has been entrusted to you. Do not try to be or do anything other than what the Lord has called and gifted you to be or do. When I was in preaching class in seminary, it, without fail, there would be somebody who would get up in front of our class and preach, and he would mimic and mime, hand motion, sound, some, some preacher that he liked, whether it be John Piper, Matt Chandler, somebody, and he would talk and preach and move just like him. And our, pro, our professor always at the end would say, that was a really great sermon, but next time don't be John Piper, be you. God hasn't called you to be John Piper, he's called you to be you. And God has not called you to be anyone else but you. He has gifted and entrusted you with everything that you have so that he might use you. You see, here's the problem is that you sell yourself short. And not only do you sell yourself short, you sell God short. When you fail to recognize the wonderful gifts that God has entrusted to you because you are trying to live someone else's calling. Guys, honestly, most of you could not tell me what I preached on two weeks ago. If I asked you, hey, what did I preach about two weeks ago? You'd go, I've got no idea. But you know what you could tell me? You could tell me about 20 years ago when somebody came and gave you an encouraging word that lifted you up right when you needed it. And you could tell me the, the scene, the moment, everything that was happening, and those words precisely. You see, sometimes it's not the gifts that are up in front of everybody every week or that are big and obvious that matter the most, but it's the gifts of those that nobody else sees. It's those things that are done in secret that matter and advance more than anything else, that have long-term impact. So do not sell yourself short. But again, when Jesus returns, what will he see? What will he see that you have done with the things that he has given you? Verse 19 says, Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. This serves as a reminder that the Lord will return. And when he does... He will settle accounts. Now, I want you to remember, 
We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, not of our works. But there seems to be a sense in which the Lord, when he returns, will reward those who have labored well for him and his kingdom. And so as the master returns, he takes account, and the first two servants, he says this in verse 21. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, in this verse, I want you to notice these three rewards. I want to zoom in on them for a second. First, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. All of us know what it feels like to receive praise for a job well done. When you have worked hard and sweated, poured your life and heart and soul into something, and, and, and there is nothing worse than when it goes unnoticed or underappreciated. Right? There's nothing worse than that. But there's also nothing better than when you work hard and someone goes, man, that's a great job. You did awesome. Good job, man. Proud of you. That's awesome. That's great. It lifts you up and encourages you. It builds you up. But to hear the God of the universe who welcomes you into his kingdom say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. He's when he says, I am proud of you. That is on a whole nother level. You see, many of us in this room, when we labor, we are working and laboring for the praise of other people. We are working for the praise of men. And when you do that, you will live on this roller coaster of, of, of feeling encouraged and discouraged, encouraged and discouraged, all uh, waning and growing on the compliments and praise of others. And when people are complimenting you a lot, you'll feel really good. But when people don't notice what you're doing, you'll feel really discouraged. And that is no way to live. But when you are living and working for the Lord, when you have an audience of one, it does not matter how many other people you disappoint. As long as you have the smile and the thanks and the praise of your father, that's all that matters. And it is worth everything. See, having the smile of God will release you from the worry of the frowns of others. Having the smile of God will release you from worrying about the frowns of others. Second, he says, you have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Sometimes in our arrogance and our pride, we think that we should be given a lot more responsibility right now. Particularly us millennials from 1980 to 2000 born. It's funny, we go to a new job and within the first week or two, we already think we know better than people who've been there for 50 years. We start emailing our boss about all the things he's doing wrong and all the things he needs to do right. And we think these people should promote me because I would run this place a lot better than these people. And in our arrogance, we think we understand everything. And that's not just millennials, that's all of us. Jesus is teaching us a great principle here. That if you cannot be faithful with a little, you will not be faithful with more. If you can't be faithful with what God has put in front of you right now, you'll never be faithful with what he, he wants to put in front of you in the future. So whatever your gifts are, whatever the Lord has put in front of you in this season, be faithful over that. Work as hard as you can. Help the kingdom of God to prosper in this one small area. And as you are faithful, he will increase it and give you more. And when Jesus is your Lord, taking on more responsibility is not a burden, but a delight. So be faithful where you are. The third thing he sees, he says, enter into the joy of your master. When you take the things that God has entrusted you to, whether it be his, your spiritual gifts or your children or your marriage, and you like cultivate them. Like you work at it and, and you see fruit from your labor. You see your marriage thrive. You see your kids discipled. You see your gifts making a difference in people's lives. Do you know the feeling that you get? You get this deep-seated joy. 
You get this deep feeling of joy that's not mere happiness, but this deep-seated, unshakable sense of pure satisfaction. When you work hard with the things God has entrusted to you, you see the results of that work, and you enter into the delight that God has over you. Like, it just feels right. You're like, yes, that was good. I, I love that. You feel fulfilled when you use your gifts and the things God has entrusted to you. That is how God has designed you. So that can be yours. That can be your story that you take all that God has entrusted to you and you use it and it fills you. You receive his praise. You get more responsibility and it fills you with joy. Or your story can be the third servant. Now this guy, he, go, he, gets, he gets his money, but he's afraid he's going to mess it up. He's afraid he's going to lose it. And so he goes out into the field, he digs a hole, and he buries it. And don't we sometimes act like that? Don't we make excuses and we say, oh, I can't serve in this area or in this way because I'll mess it up. I don't really want to get started on that. I'm too nervous. I don't have time. I'm too busy. I wouldn't be good at it. We make all the excuses in the world, but yet the Lord has given these gifts knowing we have the ability to be effective with them. So this guy doesn't put his money to work. He buries it in the ground, and he renders it useless. Now, have you ever known someone who had all the talent in the world, who had everything going for them, and they threw it all away? If you're a Browns fan, you know that, right? In 2014, when Johnny Menzel was drafted by the Browns in the 22nd pick in the first round, there was so much excitement. Because this quarterback was going to come, he was going to turn the franchise around. He had all this talent, all this skill, all this ability. He was going to actually help the Browns to win a game, maybe two. Now, y'all, that's funny. But what happened that Johnny Menzel was more interested in partying and girls and drugs than he was football, and he was quickly kicked off the team, kicked out of the NFL to never play football really again. He was gifted and talented, but he wasn't faithful. He was gifted, he was talented, but he wasn't faithful. You are gifted and talented by the Lord. And the question is, are you going to be faithful? When the master came back to his servants and he found that the third servant did nothing, he wasn't given the same gifts of the first two. Instead of praise, he was cursed. Instead of receiving more responsibility, it, what he had was taken away. And instead of entering into the joy, he was cast into utter darkness. And think about this description of hell. That hell is to fill forever the regrets of lost opportunities, to fill forever the misspent chances, and to feel forever the stupid choices we have made. And so which servant will you be like, church? Do you see that everything in your life is a gift from God? That your children, that your spouse, that your gifts, that your money, that your time is a gift that has been entrusted to you to be used. Are you going to keep making excuses? Are you going to be like the third servant and take it all for granted? Make excuses and bury it in the ground and not use it? Or are you going to put to work the things God has given you? See, if you knew the Lord was returning tomorrow, how would it change your life? If you knew that God was coming back tomorrow, there are so many priorities in your life that you would stop caring about, and there are so many things that you would get to work on right then. You would make sure you were ready for his coming, that your family, that your friends were ready. You would, you, you would put all your gifts and energy to work so much and everything else wouldn't matter see jesus will return and when he does 
Will he be proud of the way that you used the things he entrusted to you? Or will he look to you and say, dude, what were you doing? Will he say to you, well done, thy good and faithful servant? Or will he say to you, what in the heck were you doing, man? Why did you waste all? I gave you all of this. Why did you waste it all? How will you use what has been entrusted to you? When I was young, I took my dad's tools and went into the woods and I built forts and all kinds of things. And a lot of those tools didn't get put back in the right spot. A lot of them are lost to this day or never found. But my dad taught me a lot of things. He instilled in me how to work hard. He instilled in me how to build things, how to fix things, and so much more. And so last week, many of you saw on Facebook, uh, I worked hard and I built this table. I figured out and, and, I, and I did all this woodworking. I built this table, was proud of it. And when I sent my dad a picture of it, he texted back and he said, Wow. That looks great, buddy. Proud of you. And there's nothing that warms my heart more than to see the one who instilled and entrusted to me the skills and the talent and the, and the, the knowledge needed to build something beautiful. And how much more will it bring you true satisfaction and joy when you take that which your heavenly Father has entrusted to us and make something beautiful out of it? That's your charge, church. Let's pray. Father, this morning, you have entrusted to us so many things, and so often we squander them. Father, this morning, would you help us to take the things you've entrusted and make something beautiful out of them? Whether it's our marriage or our kids or our time or our money or our gifts, our talents, our skills, will you use them for your kingdom? Make much of your name. In Christ's name, we pray all as people said.